You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon, here with my lovely other half, Dr. Jess. Hey, hey, today's a quickie. I love quickies. You do love a quickie. Just get it over wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah, just when there's time constraints, I'm down. All right. So we are, we're on the road this week, so we're going to keep it kind of short, but I think it's an interesting topic. I've been trying to kind of group together some of the questions that come in for the podcast thematically. And today is about timing and relationship milestones. So when is it okay to fart in front of your partner? When is it okay to introduce kids to a new partner? When is it okay to snoop on your partner's phone, et cetera? etc. I'm sure you have some thoughts on those. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But before we dive into that, I wanted to quickly talk about a study that's sort of relevant, not sort of, extremely relevant to you and me. And uh, let's make it about us. This is a study out of Michigan that found that one in five adults do not plan on ever having children. I've found that number very high initially when you said it to me. 20%. Seems a lot higher than I, I I think the general population. But again, this is representative of the entire U.S. Well, yeah. It's that, a sample. So this is a sample out of Michigan. But what they said in the study is that the st- it's a state whose population is representative of the U.S. more generally in terms of demographics. So it's a, it's a, it's a good sample. And so they consider it nationally representative. And 20% not having kids. Now, that sounds really high. But if you look around us, especially in our closest friend circle, so many of us don't have kids. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the last studies in Canada that I read, I think our birth rate was neutral. Without immigration, we would be, all right, it might actually be negative, but I think we'd be, redu- our country would be shrinking. Shrinking, yeah. And our land is just like massive. We yeah. need some people. Well, we're bringing a lot, which is great. We need people to come in and uh, yeah, because, you know, jerks like us aren't having kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because this is a huge topic and we're not going to, you know, spend forever on it. Maybe we can do a full episode on it. But they're definitely, for me as a woman, I do think think I'm seen as selfish for not hmm. having kids. I don't know if you, you probably don't get that as a dude. I don't know. No, as a, as a dude, I, I don't feel like I'm judged. I think women, I see it. I hear it from people around us when we were younger, where they would ask you, when are you having children? It was, it was kind of like, well, it's the default. When are you doing it? People still tell me, they're like, it's not too, it's late. Not too late. Like I can still get tickets to the hot Beyonce concert slash have kids. <laughs> like they're like, no, it's not too late. You can still go. You can go online. You can like. Could we go to Beyonce though instead? We could definitely go to Beyonce instead. You know, it's 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 a hard one because we always planned on having kids. Yes. Uh, it was always in the books. Like I love kids. I worked with kids. Uh, we have a lot of young people in our lives. Like I feel like I have some honorary children and a couple of my cousins. I had chores lined up for the children <laughs> to do. I mean, I was ready. I'm like, babe, for kids. sort sort through the garage. No, no, no. When we have kids, the kids are gonna do that. <laughs> I mean, I bought an iPad to take care of them. I had chores lined up. I mean, of course, I'm joking, but... We had all the plans in the works. I was ready to be a parent. And then our decision changed, right? I I don't know how old we were. I guess we were in our 30s. Yeah, things changed. And uh, life changed. Mm -hmm. And life is grand, and I have no complaints. I do find that there, not only is there the judgment around like, oh, you're selfish, but I think even for you as a guy, there's this idea that like, well, your life is easier. Absolutely. Do you think your life is easier, maybe? You know, that's a great question. I think in some ways it is. Mm -hmm. I think when I hear about people who don't, who have children who don't sleep, Mm -hmm. um, and the, the sac, I don't, I shouldn't use the word sacrifice, but the, the decision that they've made to have children and how it impacts their free time, things that they, they can't 
allocate the same amount of time to, whether it's, you know, spending time with friends, going out, uh, going to the gym, whatever mm-hmm. it is. I think in a lot of ways, yeah, that in that respect, it is easier. You don't have that responsibility. I don't we have don't have I'm... that response. Now we did have, I got to say, and I, I don't want to get into the details of it because it's personal, but having my dad in our home for 12 years has been definitely an interesting experience where, you know, it's not like we've ever had privacy um, and there's been responsibilities about like getting home or for me, like eating meals and financial responsibilities, which is not the same, obviously, and also not the same payoff in terms of like love and growing up and watching them blossom. I I do think it's important, you know, when I say, is your life easier? I think there's this desire to act like my life is harder. And I think as Westerners with a lot of privilege, we tend to do that. Like, I think it's Mm. kind of built into our culture. I don't feel like my life is hard. I feel like a lot of the things that I take on, because I have a lot of family responsibilities, and then you obviously, we work for ourselves. Those are my choices. And I don't really see them as sacrifices. I see them as choices, but I do hear a lot of parents talk with the word sacrifice. Do you think it's also your outlook? Because you have a very positive demeanor. You have a very um, appreciative and grateful approach to life. And even when I see you doing things that are challenging that you don't want to do, I think you still do them with a, a grace, with, a, with an appreciation for life. So do you think that this approach that you have is more just your outlook on life about you know life being easier? I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't think I can discount all the privilege I have, right? Mm -hmm. Like more than a roof over my head. Yes. Um, The capacity to do lots of different things, whether it's like with my body or my mind. The fact that I have... I have parents in my life. I have you. I have good people. I I don't think it's just outlook. I don't think that that hurts because there's people with a lot more than me Mm -hmm. (laughs) who don't have that outlook. So I think it's, I don't know, maybe a a balance of both. But what I wanted to get at here, so this this study, by the way, is published in PLOS, PLOS, one journal, and uh, particularly interesting is the finding. And so this is why I wanted to talk about it for us. And oh my gosh, how are we going to make this a quickie? Because this is such a big topic. The finding that childless couples have no more regrets later in life than parents, which really contradicts, I think, a commonly believed or cited concern. And I I have to admit, I have a fear that I'm going to regret it, not because it's in my heart, not because it's in my body or my soul, or but it's been implanted in my mind by the people who say it to me, by a culture that has so strongly, I think, laid that messaging upon me that you're going to regret it. People have said that to my face. I mean, people in my family and taxi drivers, like literally people who don't know me, don't know me from a hole in the wall, but they're like, you're going to regret it. You're going to regret it. And still to this day, they mm. tell me that. And and sometimes people look at me, I think, with um, sadness Can or I, like like I'm missing out. And I, I do, I'll have to admit, I do worry about it. But I also think it's interesting because I hear that too. You're going to regret it. Probably not as much as you. But imagine if you turn the table for just a second and you said you had children's. Wow, you're going to regret it. But but we do know there, you know, there is some data suggesting that like, you know, life satisfaction and relational satisfaction is adversely affected, not permanently, but for a significant amount of time in terms of correlation with kids. That doesn't mean that kids are doing it. And I think we'd be like super happy if we had kids. And I feel like we're super happy without kids. And, you know, but I do, I got to tell you, it gets into my head when I hear it everywhere, right? In all the messaging that I'm going to regret it. But then I do have to stop and think about like, I think this is very personal, folks, but the, the richness of my life. Like I have you, I have 
all these people in my life that I love so deeply, people who bring me so much joy and love and support. And like I can name them, you know, like in the presence of Mike and Denise and Stephen, I feel so loved. And like mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of brought to tears even saying those words, right? In the presence of my mom and Luigi, obviously with you, with some of my very close friends. And so I think it is, I think life is about relationships. That's why I do the work I do. Yeah. And I'm I'm banking on robots taking care of me when I'm older. <laughs> so I'm going to get metal legs and, you, you know, like hopefully I can, uh, you know, keep moving forward. Maybe you can just have some of my loved ones. <laughs> sure, sure. But if, if life is about relationships, I don't think it's about specific types of relationships. Like I, I love that I have this particular relationship with you, but I don't think it needed to be, you know, romantic or sexual or this type of intimacy to have still a close intimacy. So I, I'm just putting that out there. I probably should have done a whole episode yeah. on this yeah. finding that childless couples have no more regrets. That doesn't mean that there aren't childless couples with regrets mm-hmm. or child free. I think I think we call ourselves child free these days. I don't okay. know. I don't know. We just don't have kids. Um, and I, I will say, and I'm not. I, this is kind of a vulnerable thing for me that. In be feeling judged for not having kids, I also think that some people don't take my perspective as seriously because I don't have kids. And I've had people say that. I've received that in feedback forms from mm. my sessions. They're like, well, what do you know? You don't even have kids. And it's absolutely true. I do not know what it is like to have to to raise kids. Uh, however, I don't teach from my own perspective. I generally teach from data. I generally teach from findings. Like, yes, I share my perspective. And I hear that a lot. They're like, well, you guys are happy because you don't have kids. The reason we yeah. have a good relationship yeah. is because we don't have kids. And I just want to say there are people out there with thriving, happy relationships with kids because they still prioritize their relationships. Mm, yeah, no, I agree. We, you know, I agree. That's All right, it. you want to talk about passing gas now? No, I don't, but let's do it. <laughs> okay, so I got this question about when is it okay to pass gas in front of a new partner? And I'll start with, you know, there was a study that found that women take seven and a half months before passing gas. Um, but I think it really depends on how much time you spend together. And some people say that it brings you closer together and others see it as a sign that you're no longer trying. You know what I'd love? I'd love to create an art exhibit, a video art exhibit of the first time somebody passes gas in front of their partner. Is it a big one? Is it a small one? Is it one like, oops, that snuck out? Or was it just like seven and a half months of gas pent up? Is there some sort let of- Let it out. Is there some sort of like color foam that shows that they're passing it's gas? It's very modernist. Um, <laughs> it's very effusive. Uh, you know, but- this is, a, hey, this is a weird question. Not weird. Sorry. I don't mean it's a, it's a hard question because this is a natural bodily function, right? But it's not always a pleasant one. So, you know, if you even if you've been together for years, I think it's also still okay to be considerate of your partner, right? Like, you know, you pee, you poo, you blow your nose. They're natural and necessary, but you still don't do those things everywhere in front of, you know, everyone and everything whenever you kind of feel like it, right? I agree. And I I think, so my answer to you, when is it okay to pass gas? You should do it whenever you want. I've been holding it for 22 and a half years. I've been trying so hard. And you know what? That's I'm why your ju- burps smell <laughs> like farts. <laughs> oh, great. It manifests itself from the other end. But I do think that there's my outlook on this is if I'm so comfortable, I remember being a teenager, being my 20s, and some of my friends who were dating, um, who were dating, would fart and then hotbox, what do you call it? Dutch oven, you know, where it's like they fart in the bed and then they like would pull the covers up over so that everyone got to enjoy oh my God. their brew. And I'm and I'm just like like when I look at our relationship, I don't, I, I don't, I feel awkward saying this, but I'm like, I don't want to be like, Hey, come and smell my farts. <laughs> hey, this is something that I just, you know, came out of my butt and it was like, smells not so great in my opinion and come and smell it with me. Why do people act like it's like a, a form of intimacy? Uh, I don't, I don't know. 
Like, now, this is separate from people who actually enjoy farts because we have yeah. talked about fart yeah. fetishes before. And I think that's super cool. That's something that if you're actually into, then you can discuss and you can play with and you can enjoy. But, you know, many people don't have a fart fetish. Like I don't have a fart fetish, meaning and, and I don't even like farts. They're not on the list of the things that I enjoy with like red wine. And if we're talking out loud, nor do I. So crop dusting in our house is not something that I'm <laughs> going to enjoy if you decide to do it tomorrow. OK, so I think we're weird because we generally still don't purposely fart in front of each other. I'm not saying we never do, but like I, I will admit I kind of go out of my way to not purposely let it rip in yeah, front of you. I agree. But I think so people would think we're very weird. So I don't don't hold us up to any proper standard. We suck. <laughs> I spend a lot of time just for no reason walking outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you, you going? Know, for a walk. For a walk. For, you know, like seven <laughs> seconds. But. Okay, so when do you pass gas in front of a new partner? I wonder if a lot of people wait until you've sort of traveled together for a few nights in a row. You shouldn't hold it and let it be uncomfortable. Like, that's not healthy for you. But, I mean, I think sometimes you can make an effort to step away. I guess if you can't, you can go ahead and let it rip. Let's be honest. I farted in front of you early on. Do you remember? It was I an accident. absolutely remember because I remember when it happened, I was so shocked. And I'm sorry, I shouldn't have made a big deal out of it, but I was like... We were walking near your mom's house. On the street. On the street. And then and he happened. announced and, to everyone. And, and I was like, what just happened? What the, what the, f I was like, S did that really happen? And I made such a deal out of it. I was like, I, I'm like this beautiful woman just did that. And I'm like, You're I love you so much. Words, but hang on. Okay. I think this is probably why I'm traumatized and don't fart in front yeah, of you. There you go. All right. Let's, we'll get a psychologist to call in on this one and, <laughs> and tell us what's wrong with us. You know, I, I mean, I know people don't like to hear it, but it's ultimately what what works for you yeah, right like and we shouldn't be embarrassed about what our bodies do agreed but brennan embarrassed me and i think farting is ruined. funny and i'm sorry but i i don't think it's bad i just think it's funny when it happens okay next question when is it okay to snoop on their phone or their laptop never why are you snooping yeah if there's you, a bigger issue here that needs to be addressed if you're snooping if you feel like you need to snoop if you're wondering something i think ask them don't snoop i don't think any good comes from going behind their backs, right? I think sometimes we snoop because we're nervous or we're insecure or we're untrusting. And I think we have to look at ourselves first there. Like, why am I feeling this way? What from my history? What are my scripts that are making me feel this way? And so you kind of look at your own role. And then once you've looked at your role, then I think you could talk to your partner about how you're feeling um, and maybe they can help you to feel better. But I do think you have to take care of yourself first. Having said that, Sometimes I think people are just curious. Oh, right? I agree with that. I like, think do you a... not walk by my stuff and see something pop up and you're curious? Yeah. And you know what? I do ask. I know that I ask. I think it's also in how you ask that's very important. If, I'm, if I see something pop up on your phone mm -hmm. and I don't know who it is, mm -hmm. the way I ask you that question is going to determine how, in my opinion, how effective the conversation is going to go. But are you, do you ever really care? Like, no. are you ever really worried? No. And I think that's it. I think that there is a, a level of trust in this relationship that when something pops up from somebody whose name I don't know, or if you're sitting there having a conversation, laughing, snickering or whatever, smiling as you do, because Je everyone just for reference, Jess's face is so representative of how she's feeling when she's, <laughs> I'm going to videotape it and show everyone because when she's having a conversation via a whatsapp or text message she's smiling and laughing and then all of a sudden 30 seconds later her she's like frowning and sad and i, and I looked at her and i said what is going on right now it's like you're having a full-blown conversation but i do think that um yeah i mean i'm i'm curious absolutely but i i feel like there's a level of trust in this relationship that 
I feel comfortable asking you, who are you chatting with? But I have access to your phone. Yeah, I I put my face on your password to open up your iPad. So if I wanted to go into your messages, I suppose I could go into your messages. You don't have access to mine because of the type of work I do. No. But, you know, you, you could access, for example, my Instagram account. I think you have access to that because that's sure. not nobody's nobody deserves privacy. Not yeah. deserves, but you can't expect privacy when you randomly message me on Instagram. I also in in our relationship, I don't have anything that I feel like I'm hiding from you. I'm not saying that I don't have things that I don't feel comfortable talking about with you and things like things along those lines. But if you were to look in my messages, if you were to look in my email, I don't think that there's anything there. I know that there isn't anything there that I feel uncomfortable with you reading. Well, I think that's sort of the line between privacy and secrecy. So I think humans have a right to privacy. Like I need, I want privacy because I want stuff that's just mine. I don't need you asking me questions about every single little thing. And you also don't have to tell me. But it's not secrecy where I'm like, oh, you can't see this, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that there's, I know that could be a little bit semantics for some people, but I do think, you know, you want to respect their privacy, but also what is the purpose of secrecy? So if you're feeling the need to snoop on their phone, I think ask yourself why look at your role first and then turn to them but Mm -hmm. I mean I guess if it boils down to you don't trust them it's really not about snooping because what are you hoping that you're going to find out that they're doing something you don't want them to be doing and I think that there's no sense in just finding that it's really about having a conversation because what are you going to do when you find it are you going to leave are you going to blow up are you going to be like ha I caught you is that is that the type of person you want to be with and and, and in addition what happens from that point onwards are you always going to be thinking that you're going to go into their email to check in and make sure that everything's on solid ground. Mm -hmm. I think that the conversation that's required as opposed to opening up that can of worms where you're going behind somebody's back every week or month or to check in. And And then you become dependent on that behavior, right? The only thing that makes you feel secure is that you're attenuating your anxiety, attenuating your concerns with a behavior that probably you don't feel very comfortable with if you're writing to me and asking about it. Yeah. And how would you feel if the person on whom you're snooping knew what you were doing? Yeah. So talk to each other, man. Yep. All right. When is it okay to ask about number of sexual partners? Uh, Why does it matter? I don't know. I mean, I I think it's okay to ask. It's in the past. I think you can use it to to learn and maybe have conversations about values and history. Yeah. I guess you're thinking that it's a judgment thing. I want to, I asked that question. I want to know. I do. Like Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to know how many partners you're with and I'm sure you wanted to know how many I had been with. And I don't, I mean, I think it's a comfort level. Mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a it's a personal it's security. It's am I am I secure enough to ask you and know that whoever you've been with before you you're right now choosing to be with me, mm-hmm. um, and you know that's it's fine. However many partners you've been with is what you've been with. I think it's also tied to like notions of purity or shame or and gender and. And maybe intimidation, right? If you've had a ton of partners and I've had one, maybe I'm going to feel intimidated. But I think that, again, these are the beginnings of conversations. Great. They are not the conversation in and of themselves. Because if I if I ask you how many partners you've had and you say 62, well, I'm going to start to tell myself a bunch of stories about that number. But maybe I could get a better understanding as to, you know, why is that number so low or so high or important to you or not important to you, right? Because I don't know, like, I really don't care so much how many people you've slept with but you're right I'm naturally curious when we first got together I was definitely interested in how many you had been with and now you know obviously years have gone gone by decades decades have gone by (laughs) and I'm not I don't care I I genuinely feel comfortable with how many I've had and how many you've had and you know again I think it this 
ties into toxic masculinity. I, I, I think about what happens when the partner's number is higher than you expect or lower than you expect, or how does it compare to the, your number? And again, why does that matter? I hate the language of body count. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't stand it. I know. I don't know. Do what feels good for you. Be kind to each other. <laughs> be nice. You know, I, again, it's this idea that, oh, you're a bad person if you've had more partners. I'm like, what if you've had many partners and you've treated them well versus you've had one partner and you didn't yeah, treat sure. them well, yeah. right? What if you've had many partners and the sex was never good? There was never open communication. It was never like exciting and exploratory and mutually pleasurable versus you've had one partner and you had an amazing yeah. experience. So I, I think numbers, obviously a quality over quantity anytime but I get it people are curious and I don't think there's anything wrong with being curious we're naturally curious you and I were talking about this before yeah, we were about like what do people look like under their clothes so it's not that we want to see everybody naked but there is this natural curiosity when something is secretive when something is covered up yeah I agree I'm 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 always I, I find myself I'm, I'm looking at other people and I wonder sometimes how do they you know how do they look? Or and, and, I'm, and I think to myself, why am I thinking this? Why does this matter? Because you don't get to see, I mean, we probably get to see more naked bodies than many people, but we're not like staring at the naked bodies. No, when no, we're I should be clear. I'm not being weird. In naked about. areas. But I think we're curious because it's something that's always covered up. Like if I was like, hey, do you want to see this picture of this tree? You might not be that yeah, excited. Yeah, I do. Because you see Is trees everywhere. Maple? <laughs> I love a good maple. <laughs> There's nothing sexier than an oak. <laughs> and, yeah, show me them oak pics. Okay, last question in this quickie episode. Okay, this last one's a serious one. When is it okay to introduce kids to a new partner? And they tell me a little bit about how they've just started dating and they have kids. So again, with all of these questions, I can share perspective, you know, with the farting one, I can, you know, share the data that one study said that women wait seven and a half months. But in the end, you're the expert in your own situation. And you're also the greatest expert in in your kids, right? So I can share perspective. I mean, I think if you're serious about a long-term relationship, that might be time to introduce them. Maybe not when you're just excited about a new partner, but when you've kind of talked a little bit about your future and what your relationship means and also, when you know that partner, here's my view. This is just my opinion. When you know that this new partner is supportive of the role parenting plays in your life, like mm. when they are really supportive of the fact that you're a parent, I think I think that's really important. And I think, again, more important than when is how, right? Are you introducing with sensitivity? Are you keeping the first introduction um, thoughtful and clear? Maybe a little bit brief if you think that it could be overwhelming for your kids. Like for some kids, it's no big deal. And for some kids, they might be resistant to it. They might be getting, you know, feedback or interference from another parent mm. who's critical of the idea of you having a partner. Uh, I think so. If that's the case, you need the opportunity for some sort of uh, a debrief, debrief session. And yeah, it really depends, I think, on how your child is adjusting to the fact that you might be dating again. Maybe you're still kind of going through a separation or a divorce. How are they reacting to that? Are they nervous that a new partner might replace their other parent or an ex. I, I think there are all these specifics that really weigh in more importantly than my perspective or any data that I could pull up. I mean, I can share my story. My mom introduced me to my stepdad, Luigi, when I was a teenager, kind of right away, I think, like right when he came into the picture. And um, for me, it wasn't a big deal. I How really could you not like Luigi? Oh my God. I have the best stepdad Such ever. Such a good dude. I'm so lucky. And you know, I, I say the word stepdad, but he didn't really play a huge parental role in my life because I was already like, I actually can't remember how old I was, 15, 16, and I was about to kind of, I moved out of the house kind of young. 
because I was obsessed with being independent, <laughs> not because I didn't love being around them. But he's just the greatest. And I was happy to have another kind of wonderful person in my life. I don't think I ever like compared him to my biological dad. I mean, I'm sure, I, of course, I'm human, I compare. But in terms of role, I never did because he never stepped into that role. So in my case, it was kind of no big deal. It was like, oh, here's Luigi. He's cool. He has a minivan. Sometimes he would drive me places. <laughs> I learned to drive in that minivan. And it was fine. But I mean, it's going to be different for a six-year-old. It's going to be different if you're going through a contentious separation. It's going to be different, again, if you've got an ex-partner chirping in your children's ear. It's going to be different depending on the personality of your child, because I will admit, and this I won't get into, but I think my sister and I have different, very different personalities, and I think our reactions were very different. And so I'll just leave it at that, that it's not even about the partner. It's not even about you. It's about knowing your child's needs. And if you have kids, you know that each of those kids is very, very different. I agree. All right. We kind of run the gamut here from kids to passing gas. I'd like to say that the next time we do this, I'd like to have a roundtable of people to chime in on when should I or... You know what I mean? Actually, folks, send us. Send us your stuff. There's a button on my website where you can record an audio note or you can just record it on your phone and send it to me and I'll play it on the podcast. Because yeah, B and I don't have the answers. We have some thoughts and we have the mic. <laughs> we only have three mics. How many people do you want at this roundtable? You want me to buy another mic? You know what? Let's just get a bunch of mics and we'll go around <laughs> and we'll, ha- we'll roundtable this up. And we'll have a talk about holding your farts in. Okay, but yeah, and I know that we're super weird about farts personally, as I said. So if you've got thoughts on when to pass gas in front of a new partner or an old partner, when to snoop on their phone, um, when to ask about number of partners, or when to introduce kids to a new partner, even your own stories, I think they're really valuable because I think kind of the qualitative storytelling can be, can be more valuable than the supposed, you know, quantitative data itself. And the one thing I love is hearing other people's perspectives. I like to hear what other people have to say because I'm willing to listen mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm willing to also, you know, challenge my own perspective on any of these topics, not just passing gas. Please don't send me the email saying, Brandon, fart in front of Jess. Go ahead. Send me those emails. <laughs> yeah. Shoot us a message. Record us a voice note. I would love that to play it on, on next week's podcast. Uh, great to chat with you, babe. Yeah, great chatting with you. And folks, if you are looking for something that tingles, something that vibes, something that lubes up, something that goes right up the butt, something that plays on the outside, something lacy, something leathery, something rough, something soft, lovehoney.com, lovehoney.ca, lovehoney.uk, depending on your location. Save on everything still this week. They've extended the code DRJESS15. Happy shopping. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.